Yeah. Here's the thing. If I played that with my wife, she's slapping me in the face <laughs> on purpose. <laughs> yep. <laughs> you and me still going to hang out him. tonight in the dugout? For sure. All right. I'll ignore you as I walk. <laughs> <laughs> the huge. Ah, uh, love Brent Herring. Uh, All right. <laughs> this is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Interviews and insight from this week in Cougar Sports. Every Saturday, only on BYU Radio. Rise and shout for the trending topics of the week here on the best of BYU Sports Nation. Well, as Shep mentioned, yesterday the NCAA decided to allow FBS conferences to determine how they want to determine who's in the conference championship game, meaning there's no need for divisions per se. The Pac-12 then quickly announced it's going to have the top two teams by win percentage in the game, basically because they never want Arizona in that game ever again. Jason, is this a good thing for BYU as it heads into the Big 12 next year? Um, look, the answer is it remains to be seen. I, I don't think it changes how you approach it either way. Whether you're in a division system or whether you're in a system that's going to take the top two teams based off of conference record and winning percentage, at the end of the day, it's still you got to win as many games as you possibly can. Now, I did like the idea of the divisions because, look, even when you try and split everything up equally and what you hope from a competitive situation is balanced invariably you're going to have one division that's going to be better than the other in terms of maybe tougher teams tougher opponents so who knows depending on where BYU or land maybe maybe you have a better chance in a so-called lesser division to be able to win that and then represent that division hoping at, you're at the in next, that lesser yes, division here's the thing though, what if you're in the stronger division BYU's probably going to be in the stronger division based off of kind of some of the stuff that we had seen if they had gone the division route you're probably being put with some of the tougher teams so I'm not sure it necessarily matters but it really doesn't change things in terms of, at the end of the day you got to win football games and if you're one of the top 2 teams either way you're going to you're going to be able to represent that conference in a championship game and then see where it goes. So ultimately I don't think it changes everything. I think this certainly means that the Big 12 is is going to go away otherwise cuz they they had created a subcommittee from division. Yes, from division. Yeah. They had created a subcommittee that had built for months trying to come up with the best way to do this and it was supposed to have been agreed upon earlier this month and then they got wind that this was coming down now it's obviously official. I told them quick meaning and they already knew. Literally honestly, it's yeah. one of those ones you know how you have drafts ready to go, so when something happens, you can just hit send. Yes. This, I think, is what the, the Pac-12 had this ready to go, and as soon as it was official, hit, send. send. They're like, sorry, Arizona. But they're not going to be the first. I, I, I would, honestly, at this point, I would be surprised if there is divisions in the Big 12. It would be interesting because I'd really like to see uh, Alabama and Texas A&M play each other for uh, <laughs> Is there something going on between those two programs right now? I'm not sure if Nick Saban and Jimbo Fisher are fighting or not, but, uh, yeah, that's fun. My initial thought, because I think it will take a moment for BYU to get to the point where there are uh, zero, one, or two losses in the Big 12 in a given year at nine games. I think BYU will work up to a year where they can do that is, oh, shoot, it would have been nice to be in the perceived weaker division. Like, Wisconsin is a good team, but they typically have two losses in division or something. If they're actually going up against the Big 3 out of the other division in the Big 10, it's tough because that division's stacked with Ohio State and Michigan and Michigan State. Now we're going to see Ohio State and Michigan play back-to-back weeks sometimes where they played in that rivalry game. They're the top two teams. They're going to play again. I, I think competitively that's nice, but for BYU, I think I would have preferred 
um, not to have divisionless championship game situation. I, I have this question, too. There's no need for divisions at all now. There's no need for There's it. There's no need. Because it's a scheduling thing, and you don't need to divide it in that way. You just declare the schedule. So we're going to talk about pods coming up uh, in the whip around later. But at the end of the day, you're right. You just got to win. To be in the championship game in the Big 12, which, let's be honest, it's going to be like the Pac-12, where I don't think there will be an elite team like an Alabama, a Georgia, a Clemson, an Ohio State that really sticks out every year. I don't think that will exist. Oklahoma State is not that team. Cincinnati is going to pull a UCF and, and drop down from what they've been doing. There's no way they maintain that, in my opinion. BYU is trying to become try, trying to pull a Utah, frankly, which is let's build up to being really competitive and then take our shot and win it. In 2019, Utah blew it against Oregon. Could have been in the playoff. Right. Like they could have been, they lost, and much to our chagrin, uh, they didn't. They lost that game and the Alamo Bowl, and we were like, "You didn't do it." But they went to the Rose Bowl last year. They won the Pac-12 because USC was down. BYU's going to have to have a similar situation where it's like, let's take advantage when some of the big boys are down. But I think BYU fits pretty comfortably in that situation after a couple of years where there's not an elite team. In the Pac-12, it's who's going to have the, the most losses that are tolerable to actually win that league and go. So I, I'm excited for BYU in well, the future uh, to have a shot at that. Very, very quickly, to the Pac-12 side of things, a lot of times you're going to have the two teams that should have been there are going to be there anyway. It's not always going to happen. But I think that uh, when the Pac-12 put out the press release, I think if, if memory serves, they went through since, since they, they went to this division format, I want to say only three would have actually changed the actual teams that had played. And it was three out of 11. Three, yeah, three out of 11. So, so the majority of the time, even with the division format, the teams that would have been under this new system – were the teams that actually played in it. Here's my counter to that. Does this change scheduling? Because before you'd say, well, we play these teams in our division. Right. Now you don't have to do that. And with a conference that has more than 10, you don't play everybody in your league. And BYU's going to have 14 for a couple of seasons. Yes, two years, and then it goes down to 12. I believe the Big 12 will expand at some point to 14. I believe Boise State will be one of those teams in the future. We'll see. That's really interesting. So, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of undecided on whether I love it or not. I like the idea of the divisions because I wanted to see where BYU would fall with that. I'm just, I was just yes. curious. Who are the homies yes, in our that, division that's that kinda, we I was excited beat. for that. Yes. But, but at the end of the day, again, it's all about winning games. That's what you have to do, regardless and, of the system. And the good news is that last year, BYU did win games and would have been in the Pac-12 title game, which we celebrated to some degree with a, uh, a championship, and it looked and sounded like this, in case you forgot. Rope. Okay, yeah. Okay! Listen, Kalani Satake took the high road. Yep, we do not. Okay? We hung a banner. champs. And the messaging is very, very clear here, right? Of the white versus the outline. Yeah. Yeah. BYU would have been in the uh, Pac-12 title game. Can't wait for the uh, Crimson Homies to show up. But, yeah. That happened. 5-0. Looking to go... uh, 2-0 this year. Let's go. All right. Uh, Topic number two. Uh, Women's basketball has a new head coach, and it is a familiar last name. Amber Whiting will take over the program. She and her husband, Trent, both played one season at BYU in the early 2000s. 
This announcement came out yesterday afternoon. What was your reaction when you saw that Amber Whiting was named the new head coach? A little bit surprised because I thought the top three candidates and declared as much were Lee Kamard from BYU's current staff as assistant coach, Dan Nielsen from UVU, former BYU assistant, head coach at uh, UVU, and then uh, Nancy Warner, who's been doing some tremendous work at Springville and Lone Peak. I thought those were the top three. Amber Whiting, though, you look at the resume, played at BYU, Trent played at BYU. We know the family. We know them. Former Cougars. She knows what it's all about. She transferred in, as you mentioned in the headlines. Tremendous work as a head coach at Burley, winning the state championship. Um, And then her AAU experience, some serious and really good development at that level. That's great for recruiting. Like, she knows the circuit, right? Yeah. Which is great. Um, Does she have D1 experience? She does not. Obviously, there's a storyline with the family and her kids who play basketball. Jace is committed to play at Boise State, and she has a daughter who's a tremendous player as well. That's certainly a story in this. But uh, Amber Whiting, I'm excited about it. I I think that's a good hire. Uh, She's one. She's familiar with the program. She's connected from a recruiting standpoint. Was it a little off the board? Certainly. But I'm excited about the hire. Yeah, when I saw the the announcement, uh, I I was surprised because, again – I know the name, but I was not familiar with Amber's uh, professional career and what she was doing. So obviously, as soon as it goes down, you start to read up and you're trying to find all these things about her. And she has a very impressive resume. And I want to hit um, mostly on what you brought up with the AAU circuit, because that goes to as a coach that has been as successful as she has with AAU basketball. There's so many things that goes into that. And number one, it's the relationships and it's the recruiting. Because you're not just dealing with certain – you're dealing with players that play all over. And so you not only have relationships with the individual players, but you are also able to build relationships with all of the schools that those said players will ultimately go to to play high school and then ultimately be be back in the mix for recruiting to go to college. Like She could have played against certain players that she's like – Hey, I'm I'm a BYU now. Yeah, I've seen. You play. I, I, know, I love I know that angle. Yeah, yeah. And look, AA, the AAU circuit is has grown leaps and bounds over the last 10, 15 years. It is so it's imp- bigger than high school. It is so important, yep. and for somebody to have a grasp on it like like Amber has, and to have been in the mix for a long time and have a successful um, situation while doing it. That could prove to be very, very beneficial for BYU because she's built those relationships. And at the end of the day, those relationships lead to recruitment. And recruiting is the lifeblood of a program, as we've all heard. Recruiting is creating relationships. Yes. Certainly, she needs to surround herself with the staff, with those with the one experience. Yeah, and, and it'll she's be interesting to see what the staff this, looks like. Yeah. But she can surround herself with those who have been at this level yep. and can help with that. So Amber Whiting will join us on the program coming up tomorrow, by the way. Very nice. So we'll get to know her a little bit better. Let's make it another September to remember. And that September and the college football season for BYU start in how many days? Countdown to the Bulls. 106. 106. One, I, I didn't know what it was. I'm trying to read days. the <laughs> <laughs> 106 days. We didn't do it yesterday. So I was thinking it was, 107. was 107. Because it was 108 the day before when we did it. I feel like I can read lips like in quick, but I could not read it quick <laughs> enough right there. 106, 106 days I'll be, away. I'll be, I own that. I own that. BYU football and USF. And... While we're speaking of BYU and USF, yesterday, 
the line from our friends in the desert was released for BYU in Tampa against the Bulls. BYU was a 12-and-a-half-point favorite Appropriate. to open up the season, which yeah. has us looking at Fair. September and all of the projections yeah. that BYU will face. We know that BYU is a two-and-a-half-point favorite against Baylor at home a week after the season opener. Mm -hmm. And we know that BYU is a a six-and-a-half-point underdog at Oregon in week three. Then there are games against Wyoming and Utah State. So it's a loaded September, to say the least. This is not news to anybody. And you should also consider this stat of the day. It's the BYU Sports Nation stat of the day. Jeremy, when BYU kicks off against USF in September, they will not have lost a September football game in, count them, 1,071 days. BYU has not lost wow. a September in 1,071 days. I didn't realize that this was the case, but it makes sense because 2020, BYU obviously wins until yep. goes to Carolina. Yep. And then BYU started 5-0 uh, last year. BYU won well into October last year. So, my question for you is, will BYU make it three straight undefeated Septembers? I hope so. Uh, They got a shot, man. And by the way, so after you mentioned that this morning, I was like, wow, I didn't realize that. So I thought, how many times does that even happen? Back-to-back 5-0 starts for BYU football. Zero, except for that. This is the first time BYU history BYU has started 5-0 in back-to-back years. Yes. How about that? So uh, the fact that they've gone undefeated September, minimum four games, six times ever. Okay, so it is rare to get that that first month, and, and I guess I say pre-October to get August and September, but minimum four games, six times. It's not a lot, right? So uh, can BYU can BYU go undefeated again? Last year we were like. Yeah, hey, Arizona, you should win that game. Arizona State or Utah, like, you're going to lose one of those two. Hopefully you beat Utah. If you lose Arizona State, it's okay. In a similar fashion, um, BYU's got, what, two P5s on this? It was three last year. Granted, Arizona's not really, like, a P5. Boise State's a much better program. Yes. Like, Arizona, that's, that's, a, that's typically a win for BYU. In this situation, at USF, that's a win. Baylor at home, mm-hmm. we believe that's a win. Mm-hmm. They lost their Tyler Algier who ran for 1,600 yards, Abram Smith. They lost Jerry Bohannon, although Blake Shapin at the end of the year went 3-0 uh-huh. to end the regular season. Um, they lost Tyquan Thornton to the NFL, their no, their, uh, receiver. R.J. Sneed, they lost to Colorado. They lost their two all-Big 12 safeties, Jalen Pitrie, 18 and a half tackles for loss. J.T. Woods, five picks. They're gone. At Oregon, new head coach Dan Lanning, new quarterback, Bo Nix. Maybe it's Ty Thompson, who, by the way, went to the same high school as Shaley Gonzalez in Arizona. They play Georgia in week one. They may be beat up and frustrated, although they beat Ohio State last year and then went downhill. Wyoming, got to show up. Utah State won 11 games last year. Mountain West champs, got to show up for that one as well. BYU's got a shot here. I would be, I would be, okay. I, I think BYU, I, I think the minimum for how talented this team against those five is three and two. I feel that strongly. I feel like that I think would be disappointing. One, I think four and one is the, probably, the, that would be my most likely pick for record. And then five and zero would be would be just friggin' awesome. Three and two would be disappointing based on what BYU has done the last two Septembers and the last two seasons overall. And, and well, combine that with what Baylor and Oregon have lost, and you go, okay, BYU should walk in there pretty confident that they can win. That Baylor game. is a fantastic program. They are not coming into Provo 
as good a team as they were last year when BYU faced them in Waco. Yes. They lost a lot of weapons. Think about it. They lost the best quarterback, the top two running backs, and the top two wide receivers, and the top two safeties. Taking nothing away from Dave Aranda, because he is an awesome head coach, and he is a defensive genius, and he's, I mean, he's done amazing things. And Jeff Grimes and Eric Mateos, former BYU guys, like, they had an amazing season. They're not the same team coming to Provo. Just based on the numbers, logic would suggest that BYU, with the favorite playing the favorite card in the five games in September, okay, they're going to go four and one. This feels like four and one, which would be awesome because if so BYU good. starts so four good. and one and they're a preseason ranked team, guess what? They're going to be ranked in the top 20 going into that first game in October against Notre Dame. 15 at four and one, bro. Four and one. They'll be t- if they're four and one, they're top 15. Like, to me, the odds makers have spoken. BYU is going to be favored in four of the five games, and I think they will win four of the first five games. It's a lot to ask with five games in September. Will BYU have an undefeated September? Because they only played two games in September in 2020 in that weird COVID scenario. Yeah. They played a tougher September schedule last year, but they didn't play five. And and you were playing the tough ones at home, home being Allegiant Stadium and Lavelle Edwards Stadium. With Arizona State and Utah? Right. So this time around, they got to go to Oregon, which I, th- I think I, I understand why they're a six and a half point underdog. Yeah, it, it, it makes sense. It's or- Autzen Stadium. It's yes. Oregon. Yes, okay. they're one of the powers of the Pac-12. But man, it'd be nice if BYU kept that Pac-12 streak rolling against Oregon. That's a huge game. Like like Autzen's cool. Fans are good. I've been to a game there before against Cal in 2019 with Herbert. They don't have Herbert. They don't have Thibodeau. Like it's a talented group. Obviously, Georgia's DC. Um, you know, coming over, Dan Lanning is a tremendous, um, you know, coach. We don't know what he is as a head coach. Again, they may be beat up playing Georgia in week one. Like, like maybe, maybe they're super banged up from playing the most physical team in the country in week one. Sure. BYU's coming in confident in week three, having beaten South Florida. We think having beaten Baylor at home. Uh, now BYU's what, sitting there at uh, 16? Or whatever. You go to Oregon, you win that. You move up to like well, here, 13, 12, and, if you do. Right? Here's the thing. In Independence in the recent past, we've seen BYU lose their home opener twice and then go and win a huge road game after. Most recently in 2018 when BYU lost to Cal at home and then went on the road 1-1 one and one at number 6 Wisconsin. And we were like, oh boy. And then they beat Wisconsin. That's a seven on the road. six BYU team that beats an eight and five Wisconsin. Yes. A road win against a Power 5 team who wins at least eight games is Tremendous. BYU did it again against because, Tennessee. They lost to yes. Utah at home in the opener. So what are you saying? Then BYU's went on the road. Well, I'm just saying, like, if you even can, if BYU loses to Baylor, they have this tendency to kind of bounce Oregon. back and win a big game on the road and rally. And, I think the, a win at Oregon would do more for BYU nationally than a home win against Baylor. Ooh, I don't know. Because Oregon has more prestige nationally than Baylor. Baylor had a good season, but they're not considered one of, like, the top 15 programs in the country consistently. Oregon gets the benefit of the but doubt. But Baylor will probably be ranked higher than Oregon of, when the season begins. Right. But I'm telling you, nationally, when people glance over mm-hmm. at that, and if, the, if Baylor and Oregon are ranked the same, like, like if they were ranked the same and you go, what wins better to the average college football fan? They go Oregon. Because Baylor had a good year, but they're not considered like a consistently like high-end program. Oregon totally is. <sighs> and Oregon got run over in the Pac-12 last year. Yeah, but at the at the until then, uh, they had beaten Ohio State and were the, were like top ten for a while, right? Yeah. In, interesting. Yeah. Now I, again, just based on 
logic and numbers and percentages, BYU probably I think goes four and one in in five games, which is great. I mean, that I would, that would be I would take fantastic. it. I would take it right now. Four and one going into the Notre Dame right game. Yeah. Come on, yeah, everybody would take that right now. Quick note on the Notre Dame game. What happened yesterday with Texas A&M and Alabama and, and Jimbo Fisher and, and Nick Saban, the only bad thing about this, because it was actually amazing, is that that game is the same day as BYU and Notre Dame. So no matter what, let's say BYU <laughs> and Notre Dame are both undefeated going into that game, both in the top ten. It's the number two storyline in college football because of what? Yeah. That was just insane, and I loved every second of it. <sighs> so fun. <laughs> Percentages suggest because BYU plays two power fives in September, they'll win one and lose one. That's basically what BYU has yeah. done. And they'll be favored in the other games against it, the group of fives. That wasn't the case last year. That was an outlier. Yeah. But the, chance are, the chances are that that happened. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Hear what the coaches athletes and experts have to say on the best of BYU Sports Nation. It is our pleasure now to welcome the new head coach of BYU Women's Basketball. Her name is Amber Whiting. She is joining us from South Carolina where she is busy at work with uh, one of her AAU teams. Coach, great to have you back on BYU Sports Nation and congratulations as uh, the new head coach of BYU Women's Hoops. Thank you. Thank you so much. Good to be here. When did the opening and this potential of becoming the head coach at BYU hit your radar on a timeline perspective? Um, so the day Judd stepped down, I was randomly in a workout and I opened my phone and I saw it and I was like, holy crap. And the first thing I thought about was my daughter, right? Like I'm, she, you want to commit and play for who you commit for. And so that's my first inclement. I was like, crap, like, I'm glad that she didn't go that way. Um, and then little by little, like it just started coming up and me and my husband sat and looked at each other one day and I was just like, I want to do this. I want to do this. And he, I've always put my family first, my kids first, everything. And he just said, how about you go bet on yourself? How about you put you first for once? And I was like, okay, let's go. So that's how it came about. <laughs> how big of a shot did you feel like you had? Cause obviously you've been really successful coming off the state championship coach of the year, super successful on the AAU level to get a division one head coaching job with having, without having been a, uh, you know, assistant coach, what, what did you do to get this job? Cause it was an impressive performance by you. I'm sure in this process to, to get this gig. Well, I mean, thankful and grateful to the admin to like take me serious. Right. And mm-hmm. for Tom and Brian, but um, we did a zoom when I was in Texas coaching and it was just, you know, I thought it was just like, it was just very informal. Very, and they were doing a lot of people. And so I just, I think I clicked some light bulbs on. I don't know, clicked some, whatever I did. I don't know. I just was myself. And I talked about the direction that I would like to see the program go as an alumnus or, you know, as an outside perspective. And then I know that the job was, the knew that the job was going to close. And I just, threw my name out there. Like I honestly, I thought I was, you know, I am an underdog. Let's be honest. Right. Like I haven't had any college experience, but I have had a ton on the AAU level. I've coached for 10 years there. My kids, I've helped skill develop my, my husband playing in Europe. I mean, I'm a coach for him. (laughs) So I just, I just knew that like, that was something I've been around my whole life. And so I would just, and I told them if they did that, they were going to catch a lot of heat. 
and they were fine with it. They trusted me. And I, I was so grateful that they just looked at me like who, for who I was. And so I was really grateful for that. What is that direction you mentioned, especially with the big 12 looming in a year? Um, we got to get better defensively. Like that's my first and foremost. Um, and I, I talked to some of the girls and of what, you know, where I want to see it go, but we need to get, uh, serious with player development. We got to get the best of the best as far as recruiting goes, um, align our standards with BYU. And I feel like if we start down that direction and I'm one that gets in and we work, we work hard and no matter, you know, if we take our hits one day, we're going to get back up the next morning. We're going to go again. So I just hope that they take on that mentality of a lot, be tough. We're gonna, we got to go be tough. So the new head coach of BYU women's basketball, Amber Whiting, is with us on BYU Sports Nation. How familiar are you with the women currently on the BYU basketball roster? So I actually coached Emma growing up, um, Emma Calvert, and so she's done that. Um, I was Shaylee's mentor. They lined me up with her, and so I've had lunches a couple times with her and you know, talked with her. And um, my daughter coming down to be recruited by BYU, we um, got to sit in with lunches with them and do things. She played with Nani um, last two years ago. So I'm very familiar. I always watch. We always report all their games. Like, I go through them, and, I mean, super interested. So, yeah. What are the next couple of weeks like as you navigate the current roster and the sell and the buy-in process, right, but also of finding assistance that that fit and makes sense for you on the staff? Um, I've been doing some interviews already for staff, and I'm, I'm, I'm kind of trying to narrow it down. Um, but my first, we got on Zoom with the girls, and it was, I mean, super awkward because they didn't know who I was. They didn't know what to expect. And um, then I had Shaylee put me on a group chat with them all, and I have meetings with them all set up because they're my first priority. I mean, yes, the staff is a priority, but those girls, like, they're my first priority. I got, they're my girls now, right? And I got to get to know them, and they got to get to know me. And I wish in a perfect world I could have been introduced to them in person and talked to them. Um, but Zoom is what we got, right? Like, they're all over the world. And so I honestly just, that's I've texted them all and I'm so excited to get in a gym with them. I'm so excited to just get them in front of me and get to know them on a personal basis. Sure. It's safe to say that the recruiting of your current team has begun because in our day and age, let's face it. That's a thing. Transfer portal, name image likeness. Everybody kind of feels like they deserve the best. They can go where they want. They can play more somewhere else. So how do you approach that scenario with your team, knowing that college sports really are in a position that they never have been before? There's so much volatility and so much transition. Um, I think I, I learned a lot through my daughter's recruiting. I really did. I learned, you know, the person, the, if, you're, if you can connect with a player personally, then you're going to get a lot more buy-in. And so I just want to be myself with them. I want to get to know them. They are my girls. And like I said, I love them like my own. And they don't know that yet for me, but all players that I've all that I've had over the years, like that's my, that's my thing. Like I can connect to players. And so when I, when you get that connection and you go to work and they know that you're in the grind with them every day that, you know, I'm not putting blame on them after a loss. Like I'm in this with them. If they're not prepared, we got to get ready together. And so that's my thing that um, they're going to learn from me. And I hope that I can help them, you know, like I have a couple rules that mentally, 
flip the switch on a court. And I, you know, I can't wait to dive into that with them. And so I hope that they get that, but you know, at the end of the day, if I'm giving them everything that I have, I hope they give what they have to me. And I hope it's a beautiful thing. I hope that we can grow together. It's been beautiful the last couple of years, and this roster is certainly talented. We're very excited about it. Um, I get the sense that you're very competitive. I can just kind of tell from our initial conversation here. <laughs> and it's a basketball family, right? You got, you got two kids who play. Yes. Jace is uh, at Boise State. Of course, we know Trent and love him. Uh, I, I chat with him because he went to Brazil on his mission, you know, and whatnot. And, so, <laughs> and you played in college. So who's got the best jump shot in the house at this moment? Ooh, ooh. If I say I'm going to get so much heat on my phone, <laughs> we, uh, we have no filter in my family and it is competitive down to the wire. So Jace, when he, he just got back from his mission in Finland and he, he literally texted the day he was home. He's like, we better get out in the gym tonight. Cause this is the only time you're going to beat me, Mari. <laughs> <laughs> and then of course, Trent gets out there and he plays bully ball. He does with my kids. So if they, you know, but and my kids make fun of my shot and that's okay because I can make them run for it. Like we're good. <laughs> <laughs> we all know who runs the family. <laughs> <laughs> and now you, now you've had the ultimate validation. You're the women's basketball coach at BYU. There's some, certain, there's certain status in the household that just happened, right? <laughs> well, we have like, so we all have nicknames for each other, right? Trent calls himself Hoff because he's in the snow college hall of fame and I'm Koi because, you know, coach, coach of the year three times. And Amari was, <laughs> I know, I know we have this thing. And so Amari, she was player of the year and we all had our uh, scoring records. So Trent's was 41. Mine was 39 at snow. And then Jace hit 40 something. Well, then Amari got 44 this last year. Oh. And she, that was her like claim to fame. I am like for a long time. She couldn't say anything, but now coach could have pulled uh, her out just saying you know to protect you i really could have and i did actually and then i got a lot of heat from my (laughs) i got heat from my assistant coaches and like they were like she was like right on the school record and i didn't know the record i don't care right like i don't and so i was getting texts from to my bench from like, I guess the freshman assistant coaches were texting They were And so I was like, Oh my gosh, you guys are being serious right now. She's one point away. So I put her back in for 30 seconds, let her get it and get back out. Like you don't get a score too much. Let's go. <laughs> Pass the ball. Amber, congratulations yes. on uh, getting the job. And like you said, uh, being in a position to take a chance on yourself and having it pay off in a major way. Good luck in South Carolina on the AAU circuit. Uh, we'll see you back Thank here you. in Provo whenever you get back. And we look forward to covering you and BYU women's basketball. Perfect. Thank you so much. You got it. The head coach of BYU women's basketball, Amber Whiting, with us on BYU Sports Nation. Feels super competitive in that family, right? Naturally. Trent, like Amber, all, and all two the, kids uh, are both shooter, high level Division One athletes. Yeah, I'm trying to think in my family, like what we can all do well. <laughs> like that's unique to have like the same skill set in the same hobby. You know what I mean? Yes, pretty unique. We'll be right back with more of the best of BYU Sports Nation. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. Better feud, Nick Saban versus Jimbo Fisher, or at the time, Max Hall versus Utah. As much as I want to go with BYU-Utah, and it's a fantastic rivalry, this is 
of epic proportions. Absolutely. Alabama and Texas A&M, Nick Saban and Jimbo Fisher, two of the all-time college football coaches, just taking each other out verbally. It's Saban versus Fisher. It, and it's, it's not even close, and here's why. You fans didn't have a unified voice. They just made some shirts. Like, that was it. Max Hall hates me. And it was like, yes, and he's not the only one. But, yeah, no. It's a great feud. Hilarious. And, and the curse of Max Hall is over. It just took him coming back to run out the flag with his son and uh, Tyler Huntley saying deso poo yeah. to reverse the curse, right? <laughs> Reverse the curse. Like it. Zach Wilson threw out the first pitch yesterday at the New York Mets game. Later in the broadcast, he was shown in the stands, which led to the following conversation. Listen to this. His play on Sunday afternoons. Yeah. Will he talk to you, Steve? Probably not. (laughs) Yeah, guys, I think I'm going to let him be. (laughs) Uh, uh, And uh, Ah, he likes the milk. Keith, either that or it's his own name. Oh, well. <laughs> I don't see what number it is. Not, he's not wearing number well, one. Well, I didn't see the number. <laughs> That's funny. Okay, Jerem, was Keith Hernandez saying Zach was wearing a Mookie Wilson jersey better or worse than Alex Cordry's BYU Tigers moment. To your BYU Tigers. Your Tigers is worse. Because <laughs> uh, that's not even close. Although in the feline family, uh, clearly Keith Hernandez does not know who Zach Wilson is. His last name is Wilson. And he was, it was number two. And the Mets gave him the jersey because he threw the first pitch. It just makes sense. Yes. Come on. I, look, I'm sure there are plenty of Mookie Wilson jerseys floating around that area of New York or not. <laughs> He clearly was wearing a jersey that had his own last name on it. Yeah. The BYU uh, Tigers, yikes. But the Mookie Wilson thing, super funny. Yeah. Women's volleyball's five incoming freshmen all ranked in the top 150. Does this solidify the Cougars in a spot to continue to compete immediately in the Big 12? They're already in a spot to compete immediately in the Big 12, quite frankly. But, yeah. You got to keep that. Yeah, the pipeline going. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Like, they, they can compete. Well, I'm saying, like, right now, the roster is young enough and talented enough that, like, they could go into the Big 12 next year and the year after, and, and they could compete immediately. But, like, if you want to compete like retroactively, three and three, yeah, then you need those. But, yeah, uh, immediately Plus right now, forward, this this will help them, you know, two to three to four years into the Big 12. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. No, and BYU has freshmen who come in and make an impact every year. Who did it better, Napoleon Dynamite or the kid from <laughs> this game last night, BYU Baseball, Jerem? I saw this kid at the game, and this was pretty good. You know we can't afford the fun pack Napoleon. <laughs> he has the moon boots and everything, by the way. Like the full gear. <laughs> Shout out to everybody involved. Because this was awesome. Yep. It's pretty good. Oh, it's pretty good. It's fantastic. It's hard to beat Can the goat John the Heater in this instance. Like, I mean, he stole the show. <laughs> <laughs> Napoleon it's a close Dynamite. Second. It's close second. That's a close yeah, second. Yeah, yeah, the yeah, kid yeah. is a close Shout second. Out to that kid. Join the conversation 24-7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook using the hashtag BYUSN. The best of BYU Sports Nation rolls on after this. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Brent Herring. 
from the BYU baseball staff is uh, in BYU on uh, BYU Sports Nation studio for the first time. I would like to apologize on behalf of our producer Ben Bagley, who's not booked you up to this point. It's great to have you in studio. I mean, I have so much to offer, and I've just been dying for ten years. I've been dying to, to give you what I got. We we've been telling him just you know full stop, but no, I I kid. So is Mary your him. wife? Is Mary watching right now? I would hope so. I would assume so, and and I would bet. <laughs> I know she is very proud watching this moment right now with you <laughs> yeah. on the set of BYU Sports Nation. She's probably crossing her fingers, saying, "I hope he doesn't say something really stupid." <laughs> yeah. Well, in an attempt to do that, we're just going to end it right now. Brent, thanks for coming in. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Okay, so this has been certainly an interesting year for this group. Midseason, Mike Littlewood out, Trent Pratt upgraded to interim. You guys have had to deal with that. Meanwhile, you're still recruiting. Yeah. You're hoping the staff is intact next year. And this team figures it out in league and on conference. Nine-game win streak. You qualified for the tournament. How have you navigated this whole season, which has been very emotional in many ways? Yeah, it's been it's been a crazy year. Um, really, the the navigation part of it is just like, hey, let's focus on on these guys. And uh, and I'm so proud of the the guys. I mean, all that six, all the credit goes to the players. You know, they're they've gone out. And they've been able to compartmentalize all the off-the-field stuff and, and pull it together and play for one another. And, and they're playing their best baseball that they've played all year. And, you know, honestly, as a coach, we just, we just sit back and we're so proud of them. I remember, and I asked Trent a couple of days ago, you know, how, how much are you guys even talking about postseason? Whether it's and now that you've locked up the, the, the conference postseason tournament, uh, how, how much are you, were you even talking about? He says, like, we may have brought it up once, and it was only in context that, look, that will take care of itself. Everything postseason will take care of itself. All we have to do is worry about winning games and taking that game as seriously as we can. And it looks like that recipe has proven to be very successful. Yeah, I mean, right now the only thing that matters is tonight. So, I mean, we 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 play to win tonight, and uh, and then tomorrow we'll 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 play to win tomorrow. But but yeah, one game at a time, one pitch at a time. I mean, we preach that to our players, and so it's kind of been that rubber hits the road. Like, let's see what you guys are made of, and see if you can do the same thing. Does seeding matter to you guys? Because you have a shot at second, but you'd probably need a, a San Diego and Portland to get swept. There's a chance with Gonzaga and Pepperdine. You guys have to probably sweep the series against LMU. So chances are fourth is probably the peak. Does that matter um, in, in this tournament? Because it is not four anymore. It's six. So format's a little different. Yeah, I mean, obviously the two seed would matter because you get that first round by. But um, after that, you're playing for for home field advantage. Um uh, you know, it's always nice in those games to know that you're going to have one last shot if, if if you're down a run or two in the bottom of the ninth. So, so yeah, you're playing for home field advantage. I think seeding is important. Um, and obviously, you know, who we're going to play and all that matters as well. So let's let's get into the LMU series that uh, that starts tonight. That will wrap up the regular season. I mean, obviously, you could you could play three this weekend and then play them again. You know, in Stockton next week. What are your thoughts on the Lions that come in and obviously good team? They're a great team. Uh, I've known Coach Choate for – we've known each other for a long time, and he's doing a great job. Um, talk about another group that's kind of – they had a really rough uh, preseason, and, man, they've kind of pulled their ship together, and they're playing really good baseball right now. And so, so yeah, it's going to be fun. It's going to be a fun fun go. They're, they're a good team. They're physical offensively. Uh, they're really crafty on the mound, and they can pitch. So, um, you know, it's maybe not as – stuff wise as good as some of the teams that we've faced but as far as 
pitchability and, and, and competing, maybe, maybe one of the better staffs that we'll face from that perspective. You know, you, you talked about taking one game at a time. One of the other things that I know you guys preach is the next man up mentality, and, and this year's had a lot of that. You know, the preseason, you know, pick to be player of the year, Andrew Pintar, has an issue with his shoulder. He's done for the year. You lose Cole Gamble for, you know, four or five weeks with an injury, and, you know, good thing he's back. But you've had so many guys that when called upon and asked to step up do that. As a coach, how pleasing is that to see – those guys be able to perform when they're called upon. Oh, it's awesome. I mean, we talk to them about it all the time. I mean, if you'd have told us in February that Penny was going to be out uh, for the year, you know, we'd we probably have looked at each other and gone, well, how do we go on without him in our lineup? And, and man, we dropped Mitch McIntyre down in the three-hole, and he's just done a phenomenal job. He's been great for his whole career as a senior. And, um, yeah, every guy has stepped up. I mean, Cole, Cole was out, and, uh, you know, guys have played hurt, and guys have, you know, it's been, it's been awesome to watch. Uh, once again, they're an incredible group of kids, um, and they compete their tails off. And so, yeah, I mean, Justice Riser was, he was really doing a great job as a freshman. I mean, I, the first time I think I've ever seen a guy punch out like the first five or six guys of his career. Uh, in Division One baseball, and he was doing great. And, and you know, he got hurt. And Cooper Vest before the season, you know, we we anticipated him playing a, a nice role for us, and and was hurt. So yeah, it's been it's been one of those years. And the beauty is, is, is guys have stepped up, and they're doing a great job. Freshman catchers have been in the mix. I mean, you guys have navigated yeah. it all, right? Which yeah. is pretty wild. Okay, we buried the lead. There are two uh, very interesting things to talk about now. <laughs> um, you're the American Samoan national team coach. Yeah, let's talk. Let's talk about that. This has been a while too, right? And uh, you pulled off some big wins. You beat number seven Australia a couple of years ago, like uh, in the world. What's it like to be the, a national team coach as well? Well, it's that's fun because because you're playing for a country, and, and in our case, we're playing for our little island. You know that, that we considered our little island, and and uh, that that was that was one of the highlights of my career. Um, being able to go to we w- we went to Guam and played in that and and the the guys played unbelievable and and uh, you know my wife was able to come who's Samoan and 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 it I was, was going to say you don't look American Samoan per se but yeah, who no, knows not on the outside but on the inside I feel like I, I, I'm, I'm love there. it yeah so love it. Uh, yeah I got involved in that uh, the story the story is is you know we got married and my father in law um, he grew up in in American Samoa and played a lot of cricket, but he always told me when we got married was, you know, if I'd have grown up in the U.S., I'd played, I would have been a left-handed pitcher for the Dodgers. And, and so for me, it was like, hey, may, maybe this is something I can do to give back to, to, to that community and go and, and, and try to help develop the game over there. And, and so it's been really, really rewarding for me from a personal standpoint to, to be able to go back and, and do that. That's really cool. That's awesome. And uh, last but not least, uh, your Twitter got hacked. Like last year or something. I was, so I remember during the season seeing Mike Little and being like, dude, what's up with Brent Herring's Twitter? And he's like, we don't know. You got it back, though. Yeah. What, what happened? Well, that's a good question. I don't know. <laughs> I like woke up one day, and all of a sudden I was like a crypto genius. I know. I was, I was like, Brent's going hard. I was here. making big-time money, and <laughs> I checked my account. None of it was there. So, uh, no, it was a uh, – uh, yeah, somebody hacked me, and and uh, and so we went through all the proper channels through Twitter and got it got it back. And 
Um, Appease the Nigerian princes who needed some money. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah. Um, you know that I, I've got to I've got to fi- finish that side of the deal later on. <laughs> I guess. Look, You're like I owe fifty million Bitcoin to somebody. Uh, Look, not only being a crypto genius, it's been a pretty good year because because Brent is also a Braves fan, so he's still basking in the glory oh. of being a World Series well, champion. What a yeah. year for you! Yeah, I mean, <laughs> the the only thing that can make this better is for for us to get on keep keep on this run and keep, keep going in games and keep going. Yeah, that'd be great. Well, thanks for coming in. Uh, during the break, can we have you sign our flag? That'd be all right? I'd love to, yeah. Fantastic. Yeah, okay. absolutely. Thanks well, good, for having good me. Good luck guys. tonight. 8 Eastern, BYU TV and BYU Radio app. Check it out. You me still going to hang out tonight in the dugout? For sure. All right. I'll ignore you as I walk by. <laughs> <laughs> the huge. Ah, uh, love Brent Herring. Yeah. All right. <laughs> the best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. What happens when you take two BYU baseball power couples and pit them against each other in a fun competition? Well, you make Kiki Solano the referee, and then you have a fun segment on BYU Sports Nation. Enjoy. It is Kiki Solano here, and I am joined by some of the power couples of BYU Athletics. You guys want to introduce yourselves? I'm Cole Gamble. I'm part of the baseball team here at BYU. And I'm Lauren Gamble, and I'm Cougarette. Um, I'm Kenzie Kerber, and I was on the volleyball team this last season. I'm Nate Daly, and I currently play baseball here at BYU. Because they have competed at very high levels, I assume that we have some competitive personalities here. Kinda. Kinda? <laughs> Kinda. <laughs> we're going to put that to the test. They're going to be competing against each other, and we're going to see who wins the most games. Inside of one of the cups is M&M's. Inside the other is nothing. You will be transferring the M&M's to another cup using just straws. No timers, just as fast as they can go. But it'll take some practice. It'll take some practice. <laughs> We got a bit of a system going over here. This is hard. <laughs> you guys can swap. This is I'm laughing too hard. Okay, okay, okay. Take a break. Okay, ready. Fine, I'm going to pass out. Laugh. You can't come at an angle. We got two more. Come on, Nate. Winners! Okay, how many more did you guys have left? Listen to me. This time, they are going to be using the cups, and they're going to stack through all of them. Whoever gets through to the bottom of the stack of cups first wins. You guys ready? Yep. Yes. She got out of the cup already. What? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Uh All right, all right. right. We're good now. Ready, set, go. Go, Nate! Nathan! You have to let go with that hand. Why? You can't have two hands. One hand at a time, one hand at a time. Go. Yeah, okay, there we go. We're getting rhythm here. Oh, okay, you can't drop it. Why? Because it's going to fall. I can't be holding it. That's why I have to hold on. You, you got to let go when I hold it. Okay, you got to move your fingers. Come on, come on, faster, faster. We can be better. There it is. Yay! We got to be better. You guys are only three away. We're on to the next game. You guys are ready to make a comeback, right? Yes. This time they will be blowing up a balloon and pushing off the cups onto the ground. Um, by releasing the air in the balloon. Ready, set, go. Oh my! As you can tell, they are blindfolded for this game. The objective of the game is to get as many cotton balls as they can into the cup, while of course they can't see. Gather some closer. I can't tell where they are. Just feel. (laughs) How is that gonna help? Just feel. And the timer starts now. 
Oh, Cole got one in. Wow, Kenzie, cool. okay. Come on, cotton, cotton. Don't take some of yours. Like Your that. cup was over there, I think. <laughs> Three, two, one. Wait, I want time. You got none? I can't <laughs> see. No, no, I got three. How many did you get, Kenzie? Four, five. five. How many did you, did you get anymore? No. Everyone I almost knocked that it I'm over. I'm the most athletic in the relationship. Yeah, pick it up. Also the most aware of your surroundings, yeah. apparently. In this final game, what they will be doing is the ladies will be taking as many sticky notes and sticking it to the guy's face starting now. Your face is oily. Sorry. <laughs> Don't breathe, okay? <laughs> Don't breathe. Great strategy. She's pushing down hard. Three, two, and one. Um, no, it's I'd say okay. we need to count. I don't think we necessarily yeah. count. Oh, got it. Okay. They had to finish on a win. Three games, one over here. Two games, one over here. I thought you guys were going to be competitive, and you definitely, definitely were. I was going to say, Let's were we start. not? You were, absolutely. Cole, Lauren, how do you guys feel it went? I started out a little slow. You know, a little, a little, little giggly, <laughs> little giggly. I'm really happy excited. to be here. Um, but you know, we we improved as we went. Definitely so, made progress. A lot of fun. Definitely wasn't ready for any of these. <laughs> <laughs> and to our winners, Kenzie and Nate. You know, you know, you won, but you were hard first. on yourself. Sometimes you gotta be intense and have some initiative. And I think Nate did a good job at taking some feedback and working on some oh, strategies. Yeah. Oh, I know. You guys are all great. Thank you so much. If we do this again, maybe now you'll be warmed up for some really <laughs> weird games. <laughs> awesome. All right. Thank you guys so much. Thanks, yeah, no, thank, you. Yeah, thank you. That wraps up the best of BYU Sports Nation this week. Tune in next Saturday for the Cougar news you need to hear and catch the BYU Sports Nation simulcast every day at noon Eastern, 9 Pacific, on BYU TV and BYU Radio.